0: I'm Charlie Taylor. Hey, what is is there, Rashad? You tuned in to Hip Hop by the Numbers.
1: I'm saying having a privilege to be here. Oh, for fuck's here. sake! So,
0: hey, what yo, is <laughs> <laughs> you there, Rashad? Wow, wow. Hey, man. Is that your? Is that what you're gonna say? No, you're not gonna say anything. Just gonna say shit. I don't okay, have all right, to say cool. anything. Cool. And I'm, and I'm director of the Fifth Element. I I'll say, well, I say my shit by myself because. I, ha- I, ca- I have to uh, Where I highlight fifth and hip Which is knowledge You're welcome to Digging in the deep.
1: I was. Uh, I can't do the the, the J D kiss. I'm not going to try it this week. Are <laughs> oh, you trying don't, you don't to go for a
0: second round? Okay? No, no, no. Uh, Le- learned your lesson from last week. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. The, the struggles. The struggles of. he <laughs> The struggles of it. Can't. Just some people are blessed with it. Some people aren't. No. Hi, Bim. How's your week, Bim? Or I'm not going to see this week. The week's I had been... a joke
1: there, but I'm just going to get rid of it okay okay the week's been uh the week's been pretty shitty but uh i got into a couple of projects baldy james and alchemist bo jackson if there's a category for rappers sounding unbelievable over production without drums then baldy is peerless because and the thing is like when you do that lyrically you have no choice but to be on point because there's nowhere to hide and i actually think it's a, a huge reason why he is at the level he is now uh you know he's 39 years old And he's starting to have a bit of a commercial uptick because uh, this album actually was in the top 15 of iTunes in the US. So people were buying this record. And um, not to say that they don't buy Baldi's other work, but he's not an artist you would associate with commercial success. I don't think he's charted on the the Billboard 200, but he's having this kind of late career or like mid-career renaissance, which he deserves. And I think it comes about from the fact that most of the beats he rapped on the last couple of years have been really sparse and open plan and he just has to drop incredible bars and he just does man this project is amazing i think photographic memory should be studied in schools like earl earl is just like uh, he's just on another he keeps ascending i don't understand how he does it it's so intricate that that lyrical display all the features on here i think are great benny sounds amazing uh rock marciano stove gods uh currency freddie gibbs like listen to that earl sweatshirt that's an all-time list if everyone's bringing their A game, and they really did. I I don't necessarily think this was Alchemist's best work. Um, I think it was a little disjointed in that. I think uh, it kind of went, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It it didn't really have that immersive feel. I still think the beats are great. You know, I I don't think Alchemist ever has a bad project. I don't think he even has a mid-project, but... um, Yeah, I thought Flat Risk was probably the best beat, but I really enjoyed that project, as I I expected to. I I really don't think... Baldy James is one of those artists, you're just going to like his music. If you like his music, he's so consistent. He doesn't drop bad projects or mid-projects. And that brings me to Benny the Butcher, uh, Pyrex Picasso. The sample on Flood the Block is wild. It's some song by this artist called Zvika Pick... But I swear, I've heard that sample before, but it's the first time that that song's ever been sampled that I could find, which is, I don't know what's going on there, but that was such a, maybe it's just the way that they used the sample was amazing. And this is a great EP, you know. Um, he gave it a little bit of shine to the, the people around him, El Camino, Rick Hyder on a couple of tracks here. It's it's good, it's, it's solid, it's different types of production, iron curtain that's a weird beat but i think benny does really well uh the production comes entirely from chopper rock and res gorilla and i love it how this is like griselda's version of an ep you know i talk about eps a lot in here about how it's an opportunity for the artist to try some different sounds and go in some different directions and all benny did here was a, you know a couple of beats with like a little bit of a different energy uh, but it's great, man. It's it's really good. Benny sounds great still. Uh, I just don't see him falling off anytime soon lyrically. And then finally, End of an Era by Iggy Azalea. So allegedly this is the final project Iggy will drop music. <laughs> why, why do you always get surprised when I talk about Iggy in here, man? I always talk about Iggy. I love Iggy. Because
0: yeah. nobody talks about
1: iggy, <laughs> well i talk about iggy and i got two hundred fifty thousand followers man so i i talk about iggy i like iggy all right i like her only because she's australian a lot of the stuff she's done i don't agree with a lot of the stuff she said i don't agree with but normally i enjoy the music but i didn't really enjoy the music on this one i did not really enjoy this one um she claims the album has four separate movements that are all distinct from each other i can't follow her on that you know i I can't see a huge difference in sound as the album progresses it's basically just an edm electro clash album with iggy rapping over the top of it i'm not going to pretend that i'll go back to this album i won't um it's just not my type of music but iggy as i grew up on this type of sound and to to see her go out of the industry on her terms with her sound independent you know that's a win and i i personally don't think she'll retire i don't think any rapper really retires maybe joe budden's retired i don't know but um yeah man strain strain rap gotta support a strain rap this, we gotta do it man we gotta we gotta have the backs of our of our international superstars like iggy azalea and kid Leroy, and that's pretty much the only ones that have ever succeeded over there so in america so yeah that's why um that was myself charlie what about you
0: okay sure Go with that logic if you want. Um, I started off with a uh, Pip Millet uh, Motion Sick little EP. Um, now I've listened to Pip for the past couple of years. She's dropped a couple of EPs here and there. Lost in June last uh, last year was cool. Um, you know, I did a feature on Eric the Architects. Uh, I think that was an EP as well, if I remember correctly. Uh, Future Proof feels really good. The last track I remember that one distinctly. Yeah, but this one comes off uh, really nicely. There's some good stuff on here. it got Gets on the feature for the first track. It's a really good mix. I uh, really love the last track, Best Things. That's a real highlight. Um, yeah, I just I just feel like some people would listen to her and kind of dismiss her as like a George Smith clone, um, but just based off, like, you know, vocal tone, <clears throat> how she delivers things. Um, but I feel, I feel like she has her own style, you uh, know, here. Um, in this little EP, and um, you know, I can I can see where people come from on that front. Uh, if they if they are saying that, I'm not saying that's the that's the overriding narrative, but I can see people saying that. Um, but yeah, I feel like she has some something different there and some unique aspects to herself. Uh, go listen to Best Things as uh, as just the last track. I feel like that's a really a really good um. Uh, statement on, uh, on how good she is and how good she can be, I feel. It's a really good, uh, track itself and a uh, solid EP overall. Uh, been the bunch of Pyrex Picasso, uh, another EP, as we know. Um, yeah, so it's cool. It's good stuff on here. I like the, I love the features, actually, on, the <clears throat> on the title track especially. I love the title track. It's really, that's really solid. Uh, 73 with El Camino, Rick Hyde, uh, clean as well. Um... I agree with you on the uh, was it Iron Curtain beat you said was weird, um, or seventy three? I forget yeah, what you said it, was weird, but was yeah, it. yeah, but yeah, I agree with that one. That was a per- bit per- per- freaky, but yeah, last track with the Conway's, uh, you know, wraps up nicely, tight nineteen minutes. Can't complain. Can't complain. With some new Benny, uh, Baldy James and the Alchemist Bo Jackson. Um, I I feel like I listened to this wrong uh and by wrong i just mean i listened to it like in two two, uh, two spurts um so i feel like i didn't really give it the best chance uh, the best chance i could have given it um to me i wasn't really that it, it kind of blended into the background for me uh it's probably just the the lack of drums that you were talking about obviously that can uh that can really just make it very easy to for someone to just put us on the background completely tune out and uh, along with Baldy's voice and just delivery and how he you know delivers that monotone thing it doesn't help because <laughs> um, uh, if it's because it, as, as a you know as a side example like the reason why I enjoyed uh the action Bronson and the uh, uh, alchemist uh, lamb over rice was because like he was it had energy to it um, and I kind of went into this not not you know think it was going to be like that or anything but uh you know i didn't expect you know lack of drums i didn't expect that i didn't see that coming and uh you know i, I kind of have this issue with boldy james overall where it's just like the the delivery just comes off very drab sometimes and uh you know it, 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 it's really easy for me to glaze over personally so uh yeah that's probably just the major pitfall that i've had uh, with this particular album uh, but you know the beats were cool. Um, I wouldn't say it's the best Alchemist um, performance that I've uh, you know heard in recent years. So I probably agree with you on that front. Uh, but it's, it works. You know, if you guys like Baldy James, you you know, I mean, who doesn't like Alchemist? You know, what I mean, this is you know, you, you're gonna get what you get for uh, <coughs> you're gonna get what you uh what you asked. You know, what I mean, yeah, you, you, I think you know what you're gonna get. Uh, but yeah, I just uh, it's, it's 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 not all my cup of tea, I guess. And lastly. Uh, juggle, uh, Loving in Stereo, uh, I really love this album, I, I really enjoy this album, I, I've been there a couple of times uh, back to back uh, while working, just great for the background, uh, just, just really good consistency, uh, Keep Moving is one of my favourite tracks of this year, I've had that single on my regular rotation for a minute, uh, Being you know, Romeo with Bars on there, Bars just cleans up on that. Uh, Lifting News, a great track, Bonnie Hill, uh, What Do You Know About Me, uh, Can't Stop the Stars at the end is great, and also Goodbye My Love as well. But yeah, there's just, oh, just some really good shit on here. I think this is probably uh, their best album. Um, they do have a couple, uh, of a Jungle and Forever. Um, I would say Forever has the best tracks individually. If that makes any sense, but the best project so far I've listened to—I don't think I've listened to their first album. Um, oh. *Live the Nysteria* is just a great album overall. So uh, yeah, shout out to Jungle—it—it—it um, it, it just begs to be seen—seen uh, seen live. It just begs to be heard live. Just to just to grab some homies and just uh, you know just go vibe out to some <laughs> to some jungle. Um, but yeah, man, solid project. Can't complain. Solid, solid, solid. I've finally enjoyed it. That with that said, we shall hop into our topic of this episode. We're talking about the LOX Living Off Experience. The locks. Kiss, Sheik Luch, and Stars P. Um Yeah man. Just the Pride of Yonkers. And uh, you know, we'll see if one's been talking about them for the past couple of weeks. Obviously, we see off the back of the of the uh, of the destruction that was um that was uh, the verses with um with dip suit. And um yeah man, so I feel like it's uh, obviously a you know perfect time to do this i guess uh, perfect time to get in the retrospective uh get in some locks and uh just see what their disc- discovery saying because uh, i feel like i feel like i've always wondered um personally for me why the locks are kind of like in the in the uh if you know you know camp you know what I mean, it's just, it's just like if you know the locks, you know the locks, right? I've, I've, I've listened to J D here and now, I've listened to Styles P here and there, right? Um, I know what they're about in a way, but I never really listened to the locks, you know, consistently. Um, I've always heard them on like features. Like when we did the D M X uh, retrospective, they came through just heating on on some of those uh, some of those tracks that they will featured on. Um, but I never really got into the albums, and uh, it's it's just an interesting phenomenon uh, that I don't feel like people listen to the locks unless someone tells you you need to listen to the locks, and then it it just becomes a it's like a, it's like a what's the word um it's kind of a, a a an unkept secret if that makes any sense you know what I mean it's just like a, a secret but it's an unkept secret that if, if you know you know kind of thing. It's a, fascin- it's a fascinating way of uh, how the locks are seen. I feel uh, just on the on the landscape because obviously there's plenty of groups around this time that have that you know classic album or classic song that everyone get that everyone gets on. But I don't feel like the locks has any of that uh, for different reasons. Uh, for reasons of which I kind of understand now, but obviously we'll get more clarity here. Um, but yeah, it's but but the locks are still respected regardless of that, you know what I mean? And someone someone mentions the locks, uh, uh you know, someone goes, the other person goes, yeah, the locks are the locks are solid, like uh, they're a solid, they're a solid crew. You can't hate on them. Um, and yeah, it's 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 an interesting it's an interesting paradigm. when it comes to the locks, for me personally, how I see it, that's but that's just my general thoughts on it. I may be wrong on all of that, but uh, with that said, Ben, uh, what have you got for us today?
1: Yeah, well, actually, my story is. A little bit different to that. I, I'm. I, I. don't think what LOX has done has ever been repeated in hip hop history. And I'm gonna. I'm gonna prove that point in this first section because I've never heard of a trio of rappers coming together in their teens, forming a group, scaling to the absolute pinnacle of music. Not just hip hop. You know, they have a. They have a hot 100 number one song, and a hot 100 number two song before their first album, as guests, of course. But like, they still ascended to the peak. They have two top five albums as a group. They never had a falling out. You know, they're so tight that in 2021, in their mid 40s, 30 years after forming, they're on stage rapping each other's bars and not missing a single beat. It's insane. And so all three members grew up in Yonkers. You know, if you've ever listened to any of their music, you'll know this. They all came together through live performance. The reason why Dipset had no real chance at all was, you know, Styles P explains it on Rap Radar. Coming up in Yonkers, everybody rapped, everybody battled, and if you wanted to keep rapping, you had to keep winning battles. And so, eventually, over a period of time, the only people left rapping were the best MCs and L.O.X., D.M.X., uh, Bill Blast. These kind of artists were incredible battlers. Like, you know, all three have been battling on the corner since their mid-teens. You know, you can't. That's one of the reasons why Dipset got washed. But Jada, Jada Kiss said he learned quickly that he could make much safer money freestyling for people on the corner than through selling drugs. So when he was seventeen, the Jack the Rapper competition in Florida offered him the chance to compete, and he went down there. and It was actually where he met D and y of Rough Riders, who were just a management company at the time. So naturally, uh, they started well. They started managing him, and naturally, he's put him in the orbit of DMX. and Styles P said that. Uh, DMX was a, a legend, a Yonkers legend on the freestyle scene. He's battled everyone on the street corner. And Jada Kiss actually references the legendary battle between DMX and Bill Blass. And Jada said it was it was historic. Sheik mentions DMX a lot in interviews too. So that LOX Rough Riders connection, which will become more pertinent in you know their second album, it goes a long, long, long way back. So Sheik and Jada were around each other much earlier than Styles P, who came into the picture a little bit later. Jadakiss was actually the one who inspired Sheik to rap. And Sheik said he learned how to rap on street corners as well as Jadakiss. And Styles P was born in Queens, but he moved to Yonkers when he was really young. And it was actually high school where they all linked up. And Jadakiss said that they used to, after school, go back to Sheik's house, buy snacks, watch the box, and rap together. So Styles P was, and this is interesting, Styles P was talking on the Combat Jack show, which was an amazing episode. LOX had done like a billion interviews. They fucking love an interview, man. If you look for L.O.X. interviews, there's hundreds of hours of interview footage out there. They just they do a lot of interviews. Uh, Styles P said that Sheik and Jada Kiss, and this is this is important. During high school, were the most professional rappers before they even knew what professional was. S.P. said, and I quote: "Being from Yonkers, you knew how to rhyme outside, but they had studio time." Making studio time count for your money. Laying the sessions right. It was more so searching for a sound and having confidence. These two early had a vision. Styles P said that they knew how to count bars. They knew how to rap with headphones on. These are things that, you know... You have to learn, I guess, as an MC. Early, we don't know this stuff because we're not rapping. You know, we don't we don't understand how difficult these things are. Counting bars, especially, I've heard multiple times uh, from people saying that it's a really important thing. Beanie Siegel said he couldn't count bars when he first started, and Beanie Siegel will be in this uh, in this episode as well. So that was tenth grade. That was tenth grade, and they met up with a DJ called Casper, who was a genuinely talented mo- turntablist, and they began working, and they were in high demand. They formed a group, uh, initially titled the Bomb Squad, and began taking rap seriously. The first ever performance from Lox on a song is Main Source's "Set It Off" in '94. Now, if you listen to that track, which is a soulful sample over the top of genuine boom bap, Jadakiss Kiss sounds like a fucking veteran already. Sheik Louch sound energetic and hungry. Styles P wasn't on that song, and I'll get to that in a second. But that was that was what they did, man. That was what, how they were building their buzz. Their work ethic was unrivaled. Styles said that Sheik would pull up to outside their house with mountains of stolen blank cassettes and they'd just record over the top of them and sell their mixtapes independently. Sheik said in high school they were making $300 a day just from selling their tapes. And Yonkers was already exploding via DMX along with like Raw Rome, Lord Devon. There were a few other prominent artists around the time and uh, it was lox's independent success through these these tapes that brought them across the path of O. now O might be a vaguely familiar name to to listeners in 2021 but in the late 80s and early 90s he was massive he was signed to emi they flew him out to london to record his debut album word to the jazz a lot of people point to O as being uh, inspirational for them because he had that huge record deal And around the time that he linked up with LOX, he was actually focused on becoming a producer. He actually produced Ain't No by Jay-Z, although Jay-Z tells a different story, but he's officially credited as the producer. So um, he ended up producing the demo tape that got LOX signed to Diddy. Now, the missing link, and this this is the key, the missing link between Diddy and LOX was Mary J. Blige. Now, we did a whole episode on Mary J. Blige. Fucking legend, absolute legend. Stiles P said he knew Mary his whole life, and he told Drink Champs, everyone from Yonkers at the time, to get on, you had to go hard, not just here, everywhere. You had to rep the town when you step out of the town. It was our man, Bop, who went to school with us. He had the demo, and he gave it to Mary. So that's the direct quote. Now, remember that Diddy, uh, from that episode, Diddy had just broken out of Uptown and taken Mary with him at the time to create Bad Boy Records. Now, the first meeting... LOX took with Bad Boy, it was actually Sheik and Jada Kiss as a two man group. So let that sink in for a second. They didn't go to that meeting as a trio. And remember on that main source joint, it was just Sheik and Jada. So it was Diddy who actually told them that Styles P was part of their group because Jada and Sheik were just intending to sign Styles P underneath them as D Block. But it was Diddy who said Styles P is a third member of their group. And they were also going by the Warlocks at the time. And Diddy told them to drop the war and call themselves the Locks and just to figure out what that name meant. And uh, so that was it, man. And and remember, like Y and D were from Rough Riders were already managing him. So those two splintered off and became part of Rough Riders around the time LOX was signed to Bad Boy. LOX were even caught up by Death Row at the time. Stars P tells the story of them hanging out at Sheik's house one day and Suge Knight called them up and offered to fly them out. They thought it was a prank call, so they hung up, but Suge persisted. And it was actually, it was only a few days before their bad boy deal that uh, that they were due to sign that should called them. Combat Jack even said they were quoted by Chub Rock. So they were in really high demand, and this was entirely independently. And remember, like, New York was pretty... Uh I'm not going to say divided, but very like delineated into the different boroughs. So if you're from Yonkers, you know it wasn't always easy to blow up in the rest of uh, of New York, especially like in Brooklyn. You know there were there were massive artists already. Queens there were massive artists blowing up in these areas. So it's not easy to transition, and you know Lox have done like a billion interviews. So it's really difficult to condense it all down. But I think the key part of this story is again something i truly don't think anyone else has achieved in hip-hop as a trio like they fucking met in high school and from the very start they took this seriously and it was a business and a career and not just a passion and styles p and jdk said during the rap radar podcast that they saw this as a professional pursuit from their teenage years and when they were asked on Combat Jack whether they saw themselves still together making music 25 years later, they said absolutely, because they worked hard at it. They knew what they wanted to achieve. And that's why they rinsed Dipset. You can't beat a trio with ties that deep. You know, they've been friends for, with each other since the 80s and they never had a falling out. And that love is intense. And even on Rap Radar, when um, Elliot Wilson asked them when they knew they were good rappers, and I love this, I love this. This is so indicative of these, these guys. So, Elliot asked them when they knew they were good rappers and who became nice first. They literally fight each other to give the others credit. Jada Kiss said it was Styles P. Styles P said it was Sheik and Jada. Then Sheik and Jada get into a fight because Sheik said Jada was the nicest first, and Jada said Sheik was always a great MC. Like, they're just fighting each other over who was better. This just fucking love, man. There's no tension or resentment. And, um,. Yeah, man, it's the story is incredible. Like, I, 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 personally, if Charlie can think of someone of a trio like this, hit me with it. But I just can't think of anyone who who were together for this long. <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, yeah, for that, for, for the longevity side of things, and uh, and just having and never having to like uh, break up for whatever reason. Um, from the retrospects we've done so far probably not um yeah that's a it's a good that's a good uh, thought exercise i must say <laughs> it's
1: a good thought exercise yeah i mean that's it and and i just want to before we jump in i want to highlight b dot's words just to give myself a little bit of uh, breathing space here b dot is obviously like when he does his interviews he does a lot of research and he said they have too much music and too many interviews and he said doing research for LOX is impossible so we just can't be exhaustive in this episode there's too much there's too many things that they've done there's you know it's it's not possible so I really just want to you know hone it on that story and then yeah go from there it's a fascinating story and we get their debut album in uh, money power and respect yeah, but
0: uh and just before I dip into that, I found it kinda interesting way the just the just the amount of names you plopped in there for whatever reason is kinda of fascinating. Um just uh yeah, how you just went from like Jazz O to yeah. Mary to Shook Knight. <laughs> it's just uh, how they all thread together in some in some ways is it's, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um but yeah, money power respect. Yeah. Okay, so Okay. For, well, firstly, um, mm-hmm. I <laughs> I generally thought like in the first like three tracks, uh, I generally thought that Jada Kiss was Diddy for out. I was just like, why is Diddy all over this album? <laughs> I had to look it up. I was just like, oh, that's Jada Kiss. Why does he sound like Diddy so much? I before like it's so crazy because I never listened to Jada like at this point. So I've always just been like hearing the, you know, the, you know, the gri- grizzly, you know, kind of voice that he has now. But um yeah, just there, he just sounded like, he literally sounded like Diddy's, I don't know, just like like twin brother or some shit. It was so crazy. It was crazy to think about um just tonally how he came off on the album. Um, but yeah, I I, I gathered uh, just off the you know just looking up the lyrics, I was like, oh, that was Jada. Okay, right, interesting. Um, but yeah, she can styles are just kind of sound the same ever since. Uh, but it's, it's interesting going from album one to two and then taking the big jump to three as we obviously will at some point. Uh, just the vocal changes, just yeah, boom, just, just night and day. <coughs> um, but yeah, the album itself. Um, I said this to Ben uh, off off the back of uh, listening to the first two albums, but obviously I'll just go over the first one for this. Um, <laughs> it just sounds like Bad Boys featuring the locks, if that makes any sense. It's just like a Bad Boys label album in some ways. It, it just comes off as that. Obviously, the locks are all over it, right? Lyrically, they're just, you know, obviously all over it. You know, I have little Kim and DMX on the on that one track that was really good. I think it was that track or was that the second album? I might have gone that tripped up. Um but yeah second yeah, what was the second album. Yeah, second album I got that tripped up. Um but yeah,
1: uh Oh well, you know, uh, yeah,
0: Money, power respect, DMX Little Kim. Yeah, i was going to go right. Oh it? Um, oh it might be DMX yeah, yeah.
1: and Eve on the second album, is it? I don't
0: know. Yeah, that's the one. That's the uh. one yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Um Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh but yeah. That track and uh, the what else am I thinking of? Uh, the the one with <laughs> the one with Puff. Cast on won't stop. Like even that. Cast stop, won't stop. That's literally just that's literally did fucking mantra for life. Why is it in a Lox album? You know what I mean it just comes off. Just when you when you listen to it without any context, it just comes off as a bad boys album. Like the production just just screams bad boys to me. It screams. Uh, uh, Biggie didn't want these beats, so he gave them to the locks. That's what it comes off as to me. I don't know whether that's the case, right? But considering that this is the only album that they have on Bad Boy, I don't know. Maybe I'm um, maybe I'm smelling something here. Um, but yeah it's, it's <laughs> past the lyrics themselves, which are great, right? Um, you know, I think I feel like the I feel like the the best thing about the locks is the fact that they're their bars have just been on a consistently good level for all of their career. Like There's nothing... They've never really like taken a dip, so to speak. If that makes, uh, yeah, They've never taken a dip. Um, it's never just been like, oh, oh that, that stars P-verse fell off, to be honest. I'm not going to lie to you. But no, it's never happened. I don't think it's ever happened. Uh, just for what I've, li- uh, for what I've listened uh, so far, um, but yeah, man, it's, I couldn't get past the, I could I really couldn't get past the production of just like how bad boys it sounded. It was just so glitzy, it was just classic bad boy production. It was just like, you know, it wasn't like the, the samples were slapping in the same way, you know, Big Popper or Juicy was, um, they were just okay. You know what I mean? They just seemed very B tier beats to me. Um. So, yeah, uh, past that, it's a solid album, I guess, but, uh, yeah, I feel like the production is a bit of a letdown.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll talk about that in a second or a lot, just a bit of backstory to the album. So, they were signed in the mid-90s, but, obviously, they didn't get a debut album until 98. Now, Elliot Wilson asked what they were doing in the interim, and they just said that they were building their buzz, and... LOX are nothing if they're not meticulous. You know, you watch the verses and you can see the thought and the time and energy they put into that performance. And if they're gonna drop their debut album on Bad Boy, they wanted everything to line up. So they began with the single, Well, 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 which popped up on DJ Clue's 96 tape, Show Me The Money. And it was actually through Clue tapes that they ingratiated themselves with the larger New York market. Back to back, next level, well, well, well. Uh, They popped up next to DMX, next to Mary. And it kind of made their signing uh, a bit of a no-brainer. Styles P actually said this. He said, "Nothing can affect our mixtape run. We supplied material for for DJs for years. We did the most distributing to mixtape DJs more than anybody you could possibly name." So they did a lot. They did a lot of work prior to this uh, this debut record. Um, and uh, Sheikh told Rap Radar, he said this: "A catalog is what helps you tour. People just want." that one hit and then you fade away. And um, that was it, man. That energy and that drive was really crucial. Jadakiss actually said in the year 2000, after they were signed, they were they were expected to just sit on the shelf and kind of wait things to happen. You know, wait for schedules to be drawn up, release dates to be made. But instead, they went out and they sought out these DJs to build their fan base rather than sitting in the studio wait, waiting for features and producers to show up. Um, so yeah, I mean... LOX and Puff ended up having a massive falling out and it was over the sound of this record. But before they even dropped their debut and this is a thing like I'll talk about the the sound that Puff had around this time and why it probably didn't really match with LOX, but you know as featured artists they went number 1 and number 2 on the Hot 100 before their debut album. That's so massive. You know, that's such a big thing. Like we look at those numbers now and they're just statistics, but back then imagine that, you know, these guys are from like rappers from yonkers just trying to make it in new york and all of a sudden they've made it across the whole country like that's a massive massive shot in the arm like it's huge and all about the benjamins and honey like these were these were songs that still people talk about to this day and uh they were obviously on one of the most commercially successful albums of all time no way out in 97 and this heavily influenced the sound of their debut record. You know, Puff was a fascinating producer because he struck gold by marketing Biggie as this gritty but glamorous rapper, right? And he did it via the boppy R&B type instrumentals. He tried to do it so many other times with other rappers, man, and it just didn't work. He was great with R&B artists, but it worked commercially but it and it charted. But, you know, was it quality? Like, he, I don't think he ever recreated what he did with Notorious Big, and I think he tried a lot and yeah i mean that's that's the thing like during no way out lox said they had a lot of fun and it was their first time really traveling you know despite their disagreements with puff in 2016 on rap radar they were incredibly positive saying that they loved diddy and it was really only the publishing issues and once that was sorted they saw that time of their lives much clearer and this filters onto the album you know lox charting number three is amazing platinum is amazing year-end billboard 200 chart position of 127 of all the pop rock hip-hop albums of 1998 lox had the 127th highest selling like that's good that's really really good it's amazing uh the title track went number 17 on the hot 100 i think it's a really up and down record in hindsight and i think it's super dated the songs that stick are their legendary storytelling songs get this money the highest part one yep we from eastwick uh everybody want to rap you know, if they dropped an album full of those, it would be a classic. The poppier numbers—they mm-hmm. just wash over me in an instant, man. And mm-hmm. I, I, they're not—I'm not going back to them. Um, I think the best image I can give for this record—and this—I love this from Styles P. He said on Rap Radar, he said of the Diddy era, he said we were going to those white parties with Tims on, and that's what it is, man—glitzy glamour and Timbalands. Like it just feels like that, and. Yeah, man, that's that's we get. We are the streets from this, you know. That's that's the thing.
0: So you're talking about how you know they had respect for Diddy, right? But I don't know, bro. I heard we are the streets and uh, bro, wait uh, for it, man. We'll, we'll get, get into it. Okay. We'll, get okay. into it. Right. we'll get into it. We'll uh, get into it. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right, fine, fine, fine. Um, but yeah, uh, I I I enjoyed this album a little bit more, um, but again, it comes off as. <laughs> fucking a Rough Riders album feature the locks is is so weird to me it's so weird like how the I, I, this is some this is actually something I actually will credit the locks on the fact that they have two albums by two on, on two labels that literally sound like if I talk, if if you ask me uh, what does what does bad Boys sound like? What's the quintessential bad boys or what's quintessential uh uh, uh rough riders? I will literally just point you to these two albums, just give you a listen, like just just the production, just give them a listen because yeah, it's just like obviously Swizz is all over this. You know, you do have a premiere on Recognized, which is great. Love that track. Uh, and also uh Timberland on Da uh, Bitch, um, which uh. I don't know, man. I f- I, f- uh, I I, I, I said something about Timberland, man. I I just can't. Oh no, ever not Timberland. Well. Epi- di- ever, ever since we did that Missy episode, I've just been, I've just been thinking about Timbo differently. Just it's just just me, just me. Um, uh, just a personal point, but yeah. Uh, apart from that, uh, most of it is uh swizzy, uh on the beats, and um, it's obvious. It's it's, it's very obvious uh, on that front. Uh, but again, uh, there's some great lyrics on here throughout uh i did mention we are the streets uh scream lox just uh screams needed to be sung uh need to be seen live one of those tracks definitely <clears throat> uh recognize i enjoyed uh actually you know since i made f- probably from like breathe easy to recognize it was really that was a really good stretch uh can i live i think is a good one as well if i remember correctly just look at the lyrics of like that um. Yeah. 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 That's good as well. Um, so yeah, there's some good stuff on here. Uh, I just get disappointed a bit by just the, just the, uh, just the I don't know f- fly by night run of the mill Swiss beats production. It's just like oh, good, great, that's cool. Uh, but yeah, you know Eve's cool on here. I like Eve, love me, love me some Eve. She's cool on here. Uh, on a couple of tracks. Uh, feature wise, uh, yes, uh, drag on as well. I'm always. Nice hero, the classic dragon. on, um, but yeah, it's okay, it's cool. It's, I, 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 feel, I I personally take this over uh, over money power respect uh, just just by a hair, you know, a little bit of a margin, um, but yeah, that production's a bit uh, yeah a bit fly by night.
1: Okay, I'm I'm gonna disagree a little bit. Like I think um, obviously, I felt like the Rough Riders sound aligned a lot more with them, um, and then we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk about like that 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 fracturing with bad boy because it was i mean that's fair that's fair if it's it's personal preference of course but like Lox would not impress with the sound and direction of of the first album you know and uh jd kiss told hip hop dx that uh their first experience with diddy walking in the room changing their name and walking back out um Jada said at the time he was like MJ in his prime, so everything he said was golden. You know, he said, We were young whippersnappers coming from young because we didn't know a lot about marketing. And I feel that, you know, I feel like Puff kind of pulled them into his ecosystem. And as you said, exactly as you said, that's what a bad boy album sounds like. And this movement that happened afterwards when LOX wanted to get out of their deal was epic. So the group, the management, the fans, they all felt like LOX was selling out and too entrenched in that Diddy aesthetic jadakiss said the final straw was an argument between elox and diddy where styles p threw a chair at uh at at puff and Sheik said that that wasn't up we were straight up street we weren't happy about the shiny suits and fancy stuff we've never been that Mm. and you know this Mm -hmm. is one of the most legendary battles in hip-hop history like you you've heard of suge knight strong-arming people into signing agreements Lox went at Diddy, and they won. You know, they began with their "Free the Locks" campaign, which became a movement. T-shirts being printed. They had a huge groundswell of support, and eventually, Diddy released them. But he did keep fifty percent of their publishing. And then we'll talk about that after this record. But this move was epic. Styles P said they changed the game. Uh, and even if uh, you know Styles P did, said he, he he thought that the the chair incident was really fucking stupid. He said it worked, so they went back to Rough Riders, who were originally their management, as I said earlier in the early '90s, and they were doing Dmx justice. They were doing Dmx justice. Uh, Lox actually said that a lot of Dmx's material on those first two albums were just verses that they'd been hearing on the street corner for the last decade. So it's like it wasn't a polished product, you know. It wasn't like the the Lox Bad Boy record. It was it was that street corner grittiness that they were bringing out swizz was bringing out and um Stars p actually said in the year 2000 he said we said let the locks go they let us go and we went back home and that was nice man that was a nice thing and it did feel like they were much more at home on this record swizz has 10 production credits dj Premier has one timbo has one uh, they only dropped one one single from the album it went uh the album went number five and the Billboard 200 and Styles P I think said it really well. He said we're still underground even though we've kind of made it We're trying to pave the way for the underground and I think they were I think that's why it's so essential that they left bad boy to really make sure they had creative control of their product I actually think this album is amazing. You know fuck you is a fucking wild start It just does not let up breathe easy wild out very high up, recognize scream lox it's a classic album in every sense of the word to me. Like, I love it. The energy, the viciousness of their lyrics and delivery, the power, the preciseness. They're the perfect three-man weave. You know, Sheik hypes yeah. it up. Jada Kiss delivers like the real dark lyrics. Styles P is calm but menacing. And the venom, mm-hmm. the venom on this record. And I think, you know, the way Swizz laces them with production that's really listenable but aggressive is great. And yeah, it gets a bit repetitive. I'm not going to lie. You know, Swizz beats beats. In that era, uh, they could get a bit com- uh, repetitive on 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 one album, but it's not a long album. It's not the longest album. The first album was way way mm. longer, way too long. Mm. The first album was ridiculously mm. long, yep. and yep. um, you know, it, it had that like that Mob Deep '95 energy, that Onyx energy, that MOP energy. And I really do think having DMX drop three albums prior to this and all of them running up numbers was really helpful because it lit the path and showed the vision for what an artist in this lane could do commercially. They weren't shut out of the charts. They didn't have to compromise sound or content to succeed. And, you know, that was their last album for 16 years. We get a couple of VPs and a mixtape, but essentially LOX dipped and pursued their solo careers. Um, it was, you know, I'll, I'll get into that. Like, do you, is there anything you want to say before we jump into that interim? Yeah. Um...
0: Well, no, I was actually going to tee you up and ask, like, so with all that said, with the U.S. Billboard number five and all this stuff, like, it seems like a good place to keep the keep the train running. Mm-hmm. So, Ben, why did it take sixteen years?
1: It was fascinating. Like, it's basically their solo careers, you know. And L.O.X. were, I, I, I think what happened was they were planning to drop more product, but firstly, they wanted to get out of their publishing deal with Diddy. Now, I'll talk about uh, first their, their beef with Beanie Siegel because I don't think you can talk about LOX without Beanie Siegel, Rockefeller, State Property. Um, Star- so Stars P dissed Jay Z on Reservoir Dogs in 98. Uh, we spoke about that on the Jay Z podcast. Beanie Siegel was on that song. Rockefeller and LOX engaged in a beef that evolved over time and f- it morphed from a Jada Kiss versus Beanie beef into a genuine crew dispute. Now, Styles P said one day he was outside Hit Factory looking for trouble with Beanie Siegel. On the phone, trying to set something up, Kiss said this, he said, I've got two mad times with that. I was shedding a tear. I wanted to go to Hot 97 with the Trey Pound one day. Flex was just letting them go up there and air us out. It was like, how can he do that? Something got into me. Just go down there with the 357 and do something stupid. But they talked me out of it. Like it's it got really fucking intense, man. And Jadakiss was laughing while he was telling our story, but you could tell it was pretty intense. And um so that was like massive. That was such a massive beef between those two. And it just fizzled in the end. You know, it got really intense, but it did fizzle. They they actually met up with each other in uh, Puerto Rico, I think it was. Let me find that story here. So um What happened was, uh, Sheik said that he actually met Beanie Siegel in Puerto Rico one day when 50 Cent was performing, and they actually saw Freeway. And Styles P said that they came up with a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C. And I'll let Styles P tell it. He says, first one was, we were going to fuck Freeway up right there because we're in the same hotel, and he was dolo, and he didn't see us yet. Then we was like, you know what? Let's chop it up. Before that, we had a few incidents with Freeway but somebody was going to get shot. Something stupid was going to happen. So let's figure it out. And so they did, you know, and then they had a beef with Benzino. That was massive. Uh, That was like a massive fucking actual all-in brawl at a a concert in Boston. Uh, So that apparently Stars P was friends with Benzino and uh, there was a massive disagreement between the two crews and Stars P was talking to Benzino in this hallway with both crews behind them. And someone threw. Jadakiss said someone threw a package of ketchup from the Rough Riders side, and it hit Benzino's side, and it was on. Sheik Sheik said, Sheik said he was in the dressing room drinking, and he opened the door. Right, and Styles P was there with blood all over his face, screaming, "I love it!" Like. So then, J D. Kiss said, "Right, J D. Kiss said, Benzino's All crew over of ketchup, yeah, over ketchup, man. No, it was there was other shit going on, but the ketchup yeah, yeah, was yeah, the straw that yeah, broke yeah. the. I love the bathroom. ketchup. It yeah, just, just, yeah, the ketchup it is just absolutely hilarious. So it was massive, man. It was like L O X yeah. were like at the pinnacle still, you know, when they weren't dropping music. And then, of course, we get the uh, the explosion of the the Diddy beef. So in two thousand and five, on Hot ninety seven, it went crazy. They were both on the show." Uh, Diddy called in, and Diddy started off by criticizing them for their campaign. This is two thousand and five, remember? So this is seven years after Money, Power, and Respect. Um, so Diddy calls them in, and uh, he tells them that uh, if they want something, they need to go see him directly. Now, if you watch the verses against Dipset, you will know you cannot beat Jadakiss. You can't talk over the top of Jadakiss. He will not be silenced. Like it just happened over and over. Jadakiss controls those conversations. So after Jadakiss lets Diddy go on for about 90 seconds, he starts refuting everything Diddy is saying. Jadakiss makes the very good point we can't handle it any other way than lawyers. So don't get on the radio and act like a tough guy. You're acting tough. Then Styles P said, You're talking on the radio because you don't want people to know the truth. It's amazing to listen to this interview. This, it's, it's wild. Did he just keep saying, Come to my office? Then Jadakiss Kiss says, You will have the whole National Guard downstairs. Did he call himself a grown ass man? And then Jadakiss Kiss says, You're a coward. Then Styles P says, You're a thief. And then Styles P happens at home. He says, 112 not happy with you, gone. Faith Evans not happy with you, gone. We're not happy with you, gone. Mace not happy with you, gone. Then Jadakiss says, Jadakiss says, Big's dead, Shines in jail. Oh, no. (laughs) That's all on wax. Yeah. That's on Hot night I listened to it yesterday on fucking YouTube, man. Bro. We need to do a bad voice (laughs) registration. Huh? Then Lox so LoX threatened to throw a refrigerator at Diddy. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why
0: it's so funny is because like I was watching clips of the verses today and it was like you were talking about Jadakiss not being like talk over an argument i just saw that one clip
1: where he was just like let me talk let me talk just, <laughs> that's all i'm hearing that's all, all I, I hear right. in my head just if you listen to this it's the same Jadakiss in this in this interview man he I just like to that Susie girl he lets diddy rock for about 90 seconds and then it's it's over for diddy he doesn't get another word in oh. he tries but they God. hammer him. It's not even just yelling. They're just hammering him <sighs> with fuck. It's the same Jadakis did in the verses, man. He's like, you guys aren't even rapping over. You're rapping over your own vocals. He's like, you guys live in Colorado. You know, he's just, he's just, he's funny and intelligent and insightful. It's, it's wild. So, um, it worked, man. They got out of their publishing deal. And that was the Diddy thing. That was massive at the time. It was huge. And I think what happened is, uh, they just went in different directions. They went in their solo directions. And I think Jada Kiss was probably a huge part of that. I think his commercial success and his solo success kind of made him, not made him think, but it just seems like that was the focus uh, more so than the, the group. It's weird that the group didn't, but at the same time, like I went through their whole discographies, their whole uh, solo discographies. There's like three albums that of all of from all of them that don't have a, one of the members on the the solo album so they were always putting out product together uh it's just it just took a long time to get to their next album i just think there was a lot of stuff going on they were doing a lot of different things because it's you know i'll, I'll get to it later but like when uh nori asked them what they what they view hip-hop as to them like what is it to them and Jadakiss says it's a hustle And I just think it was part of that. You know, part of it was we're making money from this and a lot of what they wanted to do and wanted to achieve in hip hop was make money and, you know, invest and create wealth and create businesses and create opportunities for the people around them. And so hip hop was just one part of that. And so I think they went in a lot of different directions after We Are The Streets. So, yeah, in 2016, we get, so 16 years after their their second album, we get Filthy America. It's beautiful.
0: Yeah, um, this is probably, uh, this is definitely my favorite album out of the four. I just, like, this just has everything I wanted personally from a Lox album. Like, just the the, the beats are just so much better here uh, for me personally compared to the rest uh, that we've listened to so far uh i and i love the concepts as well like uh, on on you you really get these um you really get this on like streaming sites but they do have like commentary uh like you know just like one or two minutes of talk of them talking about you know specific tracks on the album and i i thought to myself that'd be quite cool to have so i'll just um I i, I was going to utilize that and i put the Commentary before every track that it was they were talking about, and it just added to it, um, yeah. To, yeah. To, it just added to the experience for me, like, uh, of why they were talking about uh, why they were talking about why Filthy America was called Filthy America, uh, talking about the agreement and why they got Faye Wap and Dice Pain on there, da, 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 da. uh, stupid questions, their omen, just everything here just. Knocked so nicely. But. There was no need to put Khaled on the last track. There was no need. There was no need for that. Oh, I was so pissed off when that came on. I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. You were so close. You were so close. You you were so fucking close. And then you went and got and did that. Like, you just had to do it. Had to fucking do it. So, yeah. um, Yeah, past that. I really love this album. I love the beats on here. DJ Premier Move Forward. Uh, Dame Grease on Hard Life with Mod deep in there. Mm. Filthy America with Pete Rock is my favorite track out of the, out of any of these, I think. I think the title track just bangs. Uh, the Family. Uh, Stupid Questions. Stupid Questions is mad funny, actually. That was really funny to listen to. Omens, just a gritty start. Like, it's just such a mm, spicy, just... A taster for you guys uh, When you get into that it's, it's just nice and spicy Nice and dark I love it uh, Move forward Save you Don't you cry It's just a great album I really enjoy this album uh, I love the consistency of it I love the Storytelling that comes out Through with some of these uh, Just uh, And Yeah man Just the Commentary And just the vibe of it The, the, the essence Just comes off Much uh, And in, in Such a fascinating fashion Like the fact that I think it, it's not. It shouldn't be. It should be emphasised that you know the it's, it's taken. It's it's a sixteen year gap, but just <laughs> like the the quality has just stayed right there. It's just stayed so fucking steady. That is that longevity is really really impressive, um, and also just the group chemistry as well. Like just the, how they just knock off on each other. There was one track. <clears throat> there was one track it may have been the family actually uh where she uh, i th- i think they said in the commentary if i remember correctly uh and i figure was from the family that Sheik dropped a ver- Sheik dropped a verse and then styles heard something about family and he basically took the whole th- took that whole concept and just made it. Uh, and just put that in his verse. I'm gonna see if I can find his verse. Actually, I, th- I think it was the family, uh, because uh, it was just so, it, that that kind of shit was just so fascinating to me. That he just uh, took one thing the sheik said and was like, you know what, I'm gonna make that the whole <laughs> the whole of my verse. <laughs> it was just so so, so freaking fascinating. I'm let me see if I can find it. Uh, the style P, the fire family. I don't know. May, I may look at the wrong track, but yeah, you, you give it a talk. i gonna see if I can
1: find this uh, find this verse I was talking about because it was just oh,
0: so so freaking good.
1: Yeah, man. This album is – that's what I'm talking about. The the, the longevity and the, the quality level over such a long period of time is is wild. So they said this about it. uh They said, I would say this project is more for our core fan base but with a newer feel. Same vibe, music, but we didn't go with old-school sounding beats. We're not trying to sell you the 90s. We're just selling you good rap. We're not trying to sell you a time because a lot of old 90s rappers get caught up and think it has to be done that way. Times change. What we're giving you is something organic to ride to and say, wow, we're giving you a chapter out of the book. Um, and yeah, man, Sheik said, listeners are gonna learn all kinds of stuff, some good, some bad, but you're gonna learn something. That's one thing that I noticed with this record. The autobiographical nature of like the first four or five songs where they're dropping a lot of knowledge about what happened and what they've done and like insider and and behind the scenes kind of stuff you know a lot of anecdotes uh and think about lox at this point you know jada kiss and styles p had juices for life Uh, they were all working on their own business projects it just has a, a new energy and a new feel um and they said this on the title we didn't want to get too political and when we say oh filthy america it's beautiful it's basically being at the country you see a lot is going on right here it's real terrible here but when you get to other places you appreciate it but don't look for a whole political album um and Jada has said the title is really self-explanatory but the music is universal don't look for congress or bill o'reilly there's no shots at them or any of that kind of stuff it's regular uh so you know it's fucking fire man like we're getting production from a lot of different producers i haven't, actually haven't heard of uh, pop up very often and a few legends primo dame grease obviously as charlie said pete rock omen is a ridiculous opening ridiculously like you know Sheik just sets the whole album off by going incredibly hard stars p comes in with his halting flow it just gets grittier the family don't you cry but i do think there is some patchiness on here i think the hook on uh hard life with mob deep is a bit odd m-o-b-b uh the agreement feels like a Fetty Wop d side i felt like that probably wasn't Fetty's best performance savior that throwback g-funk M O B B. Yeah, the MOB, you know, it's like. I'll talk about that when we get to their next album, just with LOX Hooks. But, um. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I think. I know exactly where you go with Yeah, that. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I, I think. I think it's good. I think it's really good. It came out on Rock Nation, but I'm not sure how involved they were. I thought this album was independent. Um, but I remember when it dropped Loving Omen so much and just being hungry for new chic because. He's never I don't think Sheik's ever better than when he's on LOX joints. Um and you know, it's it's a really, really great project. It's I, I won't, I'm not putting it as high as we are the streets. I think it's probably the third best. But um yeah, man, it's great. And then we get living off experience in uh twenty twenty that came out last year.
0: Yeah. I don't did you, did you talk about it? I know I didn't this yeah, too, but did you I, I talked it?
1: about it, yeah, I talked about it. Yeah.
0: I yeah, i vaguely fake remember that. It was The Family, by the way. Uh, the hook yeah. was just... Uh, yeah, he got it off a... saying the Chic did, and he probably just took it and ran with it. Anyway, um, yeah, so last uh, album, uh, most recent album, uh, 2020. Living Off Experience, yeah. Um, so... I don't know whether to just guess the track that... <laughs> <laughs> Is it one track or several? Um, several. Just, to, just give you several. a clue. But several? I mean, it's, okay, right. But
1: it's just across their career, like it's just a point yeah. I want to make. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. pretty. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave. I'll leave it. But um, yeah, uh, it, it's it's this one's spotty for me. Um, uh, I, I feel uh, just. I, I know you're going to mention some hooks, um, but. Yeah, there are just a couple of them that just, just, just take me out of it. Uh, the 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 essence of it just changes from song to song sometimes, and it could it, it's a bit of it's a bit jarring. But funny enough, like the 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 the, uh, the producer, this is you know probably the best out of all four, like just names wise, right? Swiss and Arab music on the first track, Scott Storch, knots. Uh, Stag Selector, Large Professor, uh, yeah, it's just that's, that's that's some good names right there. There's some, there's some more uh, down the line as well, but um, yeah, <laughs> it just um, I don't know. It, like, there's a lot of uh, some of the features here, like T Pain, Jeremiah, eh, not really here for that. Like Dice Pain on Commitment, wasn't really into that either. Uh, with that said DMX on bout shit was cool. Um he sound, he, he, he sounded uh, just clean on that. Uh Westside Gun and Benny the Butcher was very good. So hey, really what? Like Wait, uh, what?
1: Did you just say? Did you just do you say know, Do you know the reason
0: why? You, know, you know, oh. reason why? Go. It's because it was it's because Westside was on the hook and he actually, you know, was had a had a flow going on and not just talking. Uh which is great. So Let's do that. Let's, do, let's go back to that. Uh, That's the West Side I miss? I miss the old West Side. <laughs> I'm, j- I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a solid track. Um, I really enjoyed that one. But um, yeah, uh, actually, we went to My America with Oswin Benjamin. I didn't really, I I didn't see myself liking it, but as it went on, I was actually uh, joining more and more. So uh, that was kind of a that was kind of an out of nowhere uh, quality. Uh, quality track for me personally but yeah it's just um it's very spotty like there's there's like a couple of good tracks and then there's just a track that takes me out and then there's a uh, one more good track and then another track that takes me out and i'm just like eh. like just a when it gets yeah just it just gets a uh, it just gets a bit muddy for me as a as a as a, as a consistent listen but uh, yes yeah, it's it's it's, it's kind of weird considering the uh producer list uh, i feel like it'd be better but
1: i feel like it's uh, just a
0: yeah it's, it's a right. it's it's a it's a
1: Alright, I'm gonna I think this is their best album. I think this is um What? Yeah, okay. man. Like I think it has everything yeah. a great Lord Lock's project needs. I think the beats are wild. The first three songs will have you using your head to break into cars. Like it's fucking <laughs> DMX on bout shit is wild. You know, it's wild. His lyrics and his just energy is is crazy. Testify, see, the hook on Testify is just weird, man. This is the thing. This is the one place LOX struggle, but I think it's really only on album cuts. Um, And it's not even just them. You know, I think like T-Pain's hook on Miss You was not very good. Uh, I don't know, man. Like... um, I think Story is an amazing song. Like It's a total fucking journey. Yep. They're so good when they do storytelling songs, man. Just go listen to it. You'll love it. If you've never heard it before, this is when they're at their pinnacle always, storytelling. They've never missed on a story track. Think of the Locks, Large Professor, West Side Gun, Benny the Butcher. Fucking crazy song, man. Absolutely crazy song. Jada Kiss coming in with yep. a clean-up spot. I love that song so much, and I I played it endlessly when it came out. It's just like that beat, man. And then just fucking Westside Gun just skating, skating. Oh, my gosh. Love it. Uh, I think it could cut Dirty Dirty. I'm not a big fan of that one. I could see what they're trying to do. As Jadakiss said, it's boom bap over EDM, but, you know, that one didn't really work. But to me, this one... Sam so showed sure their professionalism, you know. As I said earlier, what I was going to say uh, when they were on Drink Champs, Nori asked them, this was in 2020. Um, Nori asked them what rap meant to them. I'm going to give all their answers. Sheik said, and they're very interesting. Sheik said, I love the game. I love the response I get when we hit the stage. That kind of energy you can't pay for with no other business, no other kind of business. JD Kiss says, It's a hustle. I feel like rap saved my life. I could have been dead or in jail. Shit could have went a different way. This was that niche. Slinging crack rock or got a wicked jump shot. That was real when BI said that. When people find another lane to create some revenue for their family and stay out of the big house, it's a beautiful thing. I love it more when I hear some shit that makes me want to go to the studio. Other than that, I just use it to make some money. And Styles P said... I love the rhyming fact of it. Like, I love MCs, rhyming. I love to hear good rhymes. I love hip-hop culture. It's just three distinctly different answers. And they're three totally distinct artists, man. Their solo careers are so divergent. You know, I spoke about this last week, about the difference between Styles P and Jadakiss. And you look at the difference between them and freaking Sheik Louch, man. Sheik had a, had a Ghostface Killer project. Block, like they're just so different to each other styles p had so many different uh collab albums But jadakiss didn't really have them, you know, it's they're just really different artists But they're the tightest group we've ever seen in hip-hop history It's it's unbelievable man. It's just unbelievable and I don't think we'll ever see anything like this again Because as a lover of rock music, there are precious few bands in this lane either especially bands that aren't blood relatives, you know, we, we like to think of bands being together for X amount of years, and still touring, but bro, I mean, people point to Rolling Stones, and say, like, they're still touring together, Have you, if anyone's read anything of their story, they fucking hated each other for a while, like, they were just, like, at each other's throats, and a lot of bands are like that, you know, and I just don't think we've ever seen anything this amazing, and that was the thing about Versus, man, that was the thing that, really struck me. Um, they knew every everyone's bars. They It was just love and and kinship and, and brotherhood on that stage. It was everyone... Like, the, the response to that has been immense, and I think it's been indicative of people not realizing how valuable LOX are to the game, uh, which a lot of people knew, you know? A lot of people knew, and they were just waiting for this kind of thing to happen. And I think it's just like... It just shows something special that i don't think we've ever seen in hip-hop and I, I don't know that we'll ever see again i i just can't imagine it it's special it's unique and that's the thing Like i love these retrospectives when we have that ability to to highlight something that a story that maybe people weren't aware of or weren't thinking of or but yeah man it's totally unique and and yeah special
0: uh, so in terms of like asking your previous question uh, your first question about like uh groups that just have just stay together no matter what
1: kind of thing mm. does 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 Wu-Tang count um that's a good question I think yes but I think it's a bit different because of the collective nature you know I think if you're gonna say sure. it's look I agree and I, I think like Raekwon Ghostface uh you know Red and Meth they kind of splintered off into these these duos and these like small yeah. kind of things, whereas like sub squads, yeah, yeah. And so it's hard to say, you know. I I agree, but it's 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 the same, but it's just a little bit different because of these three just being three the whole time. There's no splintering. Yeah. There was no yeah. And you know, with yeah. producers, that's the thing. Like RZA was there, then RZA's not there. And these guys just had different producers the whole time. And that's what I still love about them. They still managed to keep that core sound. So yeah, I agree. You know, I th- I just think it's a bit different.
0: Yeah. Yeah, too. I can think of uh, past them as maybe like uh Beastie Boys or De La Soul, but Yeah, yeah the, those, the those, roots you know, are the, the roots are
1: a shout as, The roots are a shout as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, know, roots, roots, lost, yeah, roots, roots. They lost a couple, they lost Scott Storch and they lost, you know, a couple of um yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, I just think it's it's rare. I can't even think. Like even Outcast, yeah, I mean, yeah. they kinda splintered and yeah, yes, yeah. No, I wasn't. I wasn't even thinking about cost, but I, I think
0: Beastie Boys they also are a good shout. Um, I'm not really too into. Too. I'm not really too. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. But they kind of they. Uh, I don't know because they kind of dipped at some point, didn't they? Obviously, they came back, but they kind of. Uh, yeah, they just true. went, Yeah, let's call it. Let's. They they, 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 Like, I think like the criteria here is like, did they say let's call it? <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, I don't think Beastie Boys said let's call it ever. Uh, apart from when uh MCA died uh and then uh they are i don't think they've ever been split uh, in my knowledge but yeah. uh, my knowledge is limited on that front oh but anyway actually we could maybe leave it there if you want uh because i think you delivered a really decent uh finish um a couple of lighter notes to chat well should i do the sad ones first or the fun ones first
1: uh, i'll do the sad ones i think
0: Sad ones first. Okay, so uh, while we're recording, or just before we recorded last week, uh, I uh, I totally forgot to um, uh, talk about or just mention the death of uh, Carl E. Chucky Thompson, which is kind of uh, uh, ironic since we were talking about uh, Bad Boy all, all this episode. And obviously he was a member of uh, the Hitmen uh, mm. in the uh, in-house uh, Bad Boy uh uh, producing group and uh, yeah, you know, just um, produce some of the best shit. I mean, I I put one mic uh, on the 5E track of the day uh, day after, and I just um I that track is just so fucking heat. Like Wild. I don't think there's anybody. Um, I don't think anybody has um could have done that beat. I think like considering of the. Uh, the R&B nature of half of it but then just the complete destruction going on like when Nas just like raises his voice Crazy. You know, I mean I feel like there's there's not many record producers at that time that could have done that uh, in that fashion um, so shout out to Chucky Thompson uh, R.I.P and also a more recent one, uh, Zumbi off, mm. um, uh, of uh, Zainai, uh, uh, uh Bay Area has, uh, died as well and uh, yeah, just wanted to give some RIPS on that front. But uh, in a lighter note, uh, act- a lighter, lighter note, um, Daylar's getting their get- getting their shit on DSPs. They finally got their fucking yeah, albums back. They're they're gonna be j- uh, hopefully dropping those I- by the end of the year. I cannot fucking wait. No more uh listen to Free Free High and Rising on YouTube. I'm fucking here for it. Like let's fucking
1: go, boys. Let's fucking go. Hip hop took a dub this week. Oh, I love it. Yeah, man. I I think that's amazing. It's about fucking time, to be honest. Like
0: Bro, the amount of people that think about that actually. Like just just like as existentially, right? Zooming out. Like the fact that people haven't been able to listen to De La Soul, apart from the the album they did in 04 was it uh i forget the name of it and also obviously the recent one and then the, the anonymous nope the anonymous nobody um like there's you, no nobody has been li- able to listen to stakes as high or three feet high and rising uh on dsps since dsps existed and that's just crazy to me <laughs> that's just crazy to think about um by the uh, you know all the negative society that we've talked about a stream before in past episodes like it's a real opportunity for people to just for for people that haven't listened to Day lost soul ex- extensively on my front uh to finally just dive the fuck in uh and just just because c- i feel like their history has their, and their legacy has been kind of blunted in a way like if you're shitting on dsps like you're kind of gonna get left behind in some way and i'm not saying dsps is the height of musical archiving but it's it's it's, it's you kind of need it in some way like if you want to just like because if they went, if they said oh we're doing a tour um people under the age of 30 won't be there because why unless their parents have put them on then they have no reason to um so I'm I'm glad that I'm I'm glad they there. I'm glad that the something some deal was made on that front. Um and yeah man, it's just uh the legacy can continue and uh, maybe one day we can uh, we'll do a retrospective on them uh and uh once once the DSPs are out in celebration of that maybe, uh, whenever that may be, and uh yeah, we can we can help in that recontextualizing of De La Soul because Jesus Christ, <laughs> like <laughs> It's like guys, it's literally Tribal Quest, De La Soul, like on that spectrum. Like it's just stupid, but people don't talk about Daylight in that front. They really don't, and I feel like they've, they they've been lag, like, they've been put behind the eight ball in that front, uh, for for a lot of years. So I'm I'm very happy for them.
1: Question on this?
0: Question. Sorry, I was, I've been listening to recently. <laughs> okay oh
1: yeah <laughs> question <laughs> tell me what you think about me <laughs> yeah go for it classic song um, yeah, well, that was random but uh, do you think that it actually plays into D-Lar's favor a little bit that they're gonna get all this press now around their, their albums coming back to streaming Fuck. now let's yeah. let's think about this for a second let's say all their yep. albums are already on streaming there's no reason yep. for anyone to yeah if you mm-hmm. if you're in that mm-hmm. orbit you're gonna go back and it's gonna be there but nothing's mm-hmm. driving you there there's no conversation mm-hmm. driving you there. There's no mm-hmm. conflict. But now that they're streaming, their albums are back on streaming, and you're a young person yep. and you're seeing it pop yep. all up all over your timeline, yep. that's different to Tribe. You know, Tribe's already yep. there. So yeah, I yeah, wonder yeah. if that plays in their favor a little bit.
0: And tribes Tribe has all the documentaries, and they have a book. Uh, they have books about them. I, I don't know if they have those. Um, I'm sure probably they do, but they're not as. You know, uh, as a required, uh, required viewing and required reading, as much as like the uh Beats Rhymes and Life documentary that they, lo- uh, the um, Tribe have, or uh, Go Ahead in the Rain that Hennyford Rakeeb did, uh, the I read that I listened to on audiobook a few a few months ago, uh, before we did the Tribe Respe- Retrospective, and I fucking enjoyed that shit thoroughly. Um, but yeah, that that's that's a perfect that's a perfect question, uh, or just a perfect like. I don't know hypothesis in some way of just like what they can do with it. Like they could, they could literally just, you know, hop on Hot 97, hop on Sway in the morning, just you know, spread the fucking word. They literally can do that if they really wanted to. If they map it out properly, if they get some like you know bit of a marketing thing going behind it, I'm here for it. Like, it, it, hey, bro, literally, what we what what were we what pothole did we miss this week? Uh, did, did we just swerve across this week? In mere, <laughs> mere days before we were going to record, what? Big Crit drop in his five oh, mixtapes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like <laughs> that's like, very true. Like, we were very guys. We were very close to to talking about Big Crit as our new weekly release because uh, yeah. I think Twelve for Twelve was the one I tripped up on, and I was just like, "Is that one new?" Because I heard of the rest, but I never saw that one. But it's not called Twelve for Twelve. Um, it's called something else on on the DSPs now. So I nearly was going to listen to that and talk about it on this. <laughs> I was like, oh, Big Crit dropped his all his mixtapes and an el- and a new album. Oh my gosh!" So we avoided that pothole. But that's another. That's the thing. See, this is the exact same thing as when um you know, as if uh uh you know, we were talking about um who was it what was he talking about like uh you know, Wiz recently got his mixtapes like on on a, on DSPs. Like you know, all the blog era artists, I'd be, have been trying to get their shit on DSPs. Um, mm. You know, Joey got there very quickly, um, and and it benefits. It really it benefits a lot um, in my in my mind, it just you know brings back nostalgia for a lot of people. Being able to listen to something like Cush uh, and OJ, for example. Yeah, that's um,
1: right. Yeah, that came back. Yeah, up. you know. So
0: it's it's yes, yeah, so it's, 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 it's great, and this is. I think much bigger on that front, like, uh, you know, obviously mixtapes are one thing, but three feet high and rising and stakes is fucking high, bruv. I can put Dilla's stakes is high beat on my regular taste right now. I can't fuck it. It's gonna be lit. And I really do hope they do. They really make it a thing. I really do hope they just scream it from the rooftops as, as much as people listen to them. Honestly, I really hope
1: they do. It's interesting that you mention it as musical archiving, and I feel that's like such a underrated side of uh, of streaming services. Because you're right, it is like an archive. Yeah, watch them, watch them
0: things... say that as a marketing employer. We're we archiving.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, sure. Like, I'm not. I'm. I know that they'd use it and they'd say it in a negative, way, like, not in a negative way, but in a manipulative yeah, yeah. way, of they course. Use but it to like, for them, yeah yeah but like i i actually think it's it's valid you know i really do i yeah. think that um objectively when you go back on these web on uh, through these artists that we do retrospectives on and those albums aren't on streaming it's like you've got to go somewhere else to find them and sure the internet catalogs everything man the internet there has only been a couple of albums that we haven't been able to find anywhere really only yeah. a couple out of Probably 500 by this point, you know. there's like a lot of fucking albums that we've listened to for this podcast over X amount of episodes. But oh, um, do the numbers for that, please. <laughs> so someday, that's a good idea. Actually, I should maybe on the
0: third, maybe on the third anniversary next year. Like, just just give, just drop us some DITD numbers. That'd be sick.
1: Fuck, that'd be like, I take a week off hip hop numbers and just like come up with some wild numbers. The amount of times Charlie says, as it pertains to, no,
0: no, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that, please. <laughs> Yeah, please times, do not do my speech please do not do my speech patterns sometimes
1: I go wow or that's incredible or that's amazing or that's wild like just fucking the same shit you know but like no I think it's a really Dada. good point you know I think it's a good point there's so many um it's just it is a, it is a musical archive and uh, before before streaming before it downloads and all that shit it was, it was such a, we had such a different feel music was like yeah. um music was just completely different, you know. It was like there was so much more value attached to it. And I don't say that in a negative way. I don't say that in a way that we don't value current music. But it was like it was this big hulking catalogue that you could only uh, chew little bits off at a time because you couldn't consume the whole thing. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden... The door opened it was like a like the gingerbread house and all you could do was take little bits off the side and then they opened the door and then you walked in and the whole fucking catalog was there and it was overwhelming you know when we had free uh, illegal downloads and it's it's a salient point man it's it's um you know streaming services don't say that enough and i i it's another reason why i don't trust streaming services because if they knew if they really cared about the art and really cared about that that would be one of the main fucking things they're talking about. That would be one of their main tools when people criticize them. Like we're archiving history, but they don't because they don't fucking understand music and they don't understand the art and they don't really care that much about it. You know, it's more about the business for them. So, um, yeah, it's a great point. It's a great point. I'm just uh, pontificating on that, but uh, I think it's um, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah. Well, you know, if
0: um if Drake dropped um. What was that first mixtape? Uh, comeback season? Yeah. If, uh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they'd be planning that all over if, if everyone's fucking homepage. So, you know, please do it for stakes as high, please. Please plug it to everybody Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, etc., etc. et cetera. De La deserves it, it. And, uh. That's the it. By the
1: numbers. Bro. I'm saying having the privilege too, to be here. too up.
0: early. I have I not tried. finished.
1: You in Hip Hop by the Numbers. I'm saying having the privilege to be here. It's all up. Got that shit on repeat. Ultra repeat. Early. Ultra, Ultra, early. Ultra
0: finished. Repeat. How dare you? How dare you? On that on that note, from the Fifth End Podcast Network, it's been digging digits. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. I'm Rashad Taylor, the Fifth Element. It always says you tuned in to Hip Hop Body Noise. <laughs> I'm just saying, having the privilege to be here, it's all love.
1: <laughs> peace. What?
0: What are you that <laughs> I ain't even done my fit yet. This dickhead. <laughs> I hope you all have a good week, as much as Ben's having with this fucking loop of Visor <laughs> and Chad picking him up. I should always try and do the same. But until the next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen. All right. Peace. <laughs> peace. Yeah. <right>? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> peace. Yeah. Peace. <laughs> Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show is piece of midi-games by bonus points. That's the breakers for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element. Hip hop by numbers, bonus points and breakers will be in the full show notes for you listening. This has been the fifth element podcast and production. Thanks for spending time with us. We i see you next time. Digging in the Digits.